This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. And welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name's Anna Hawkin. I'm your host and I'm part of the team here at Parenting for Faith. This is episode six of season three. And I hope you had a brilliant half term, if that's a thing in your life, or bank holidays and jubilee celebrations. I think those are probably things in more people's lives. Um, But I hope they were fantastic. I am recording with lots of humans in my house, so if you hear any background noise, apologies for that, but I'm sure you're, you're all used to it. I just wanted to tell you, um, before we kicked off, about an opportunity coming up. Uh, we've got a Parenting as a Church Leader Day on the 5th of July. Now, Rachel Turner, a couple of years back, wrote a book called Parenting as a Church Leader, and it's all about how to help your family thrive and flourish If you're a parent, but you're also leading a church or a children's or a youth ministry, uh, that might be in a voluntary capacity. It might be that you work for the church, Um, but it puts a little bit of a a spotlight on your children or your teenagers. They can feel like they're living in a goldfish bowl. Um, I've personally done this uh, multiple times now because that's a cool part of my job is I get to go to fun things like this. But every time I do it, there's something new and I think gosh, I really need to remember that. That really helps me think about how to connect with my children and how to explain things to them and just how to help them kind of navigate the ministry life and the ministry world. So we'll pop a link to that in the show notes, but I'd really encourage you to go and take a look. It's 5th of July, um, Parenting as a Church Leader Day, and you can book that, yeah, via the Parenting for Faith website or the BRF online website. Now we've got a little bit of a treat coming up for you today. Um, Iona, our digital marketing officer, interviews uh, Julia from Anna Chaplaincy, who's one of BRF's other ministries, and she'll explain what Anna Chaplains do and who they are as part of that, and Kate Irvin. Now, a little bit of a disclaimer, she does introduce Kate as a networker, and uh, that's not Kate's any role anymore. We did one that thing where we all, we all switched around. So Kate is now in charge of support for uh, all of Parenting for Faith. She's the support coordinator. So if you're running a Parenting for Faith course, or and you'd like us to pray for you and answer questions, or you're using any of our resources and you want some support, that is what Kate's there for. She is amazing at it. She has loads of experience um, and is just a lovely, lovely human. Uh, So do get in touch with questions, comments, things you want us to pray for, things you want support in. We love doing that. So we got those guys first, um, really nice three-way conversation. And then we're going to share a question that Rachel answered on a Facebook Live about friendships. Now, it's about 11-year-old, they've moved to a new area, and the parents aren't super keen on the new friends. Um, I think many of us have known a version of that scenario, um, so it'll be really interesting to hear what Rachel has to say there. So let's hand over to Iona, Julia, and Kate. Um, So today we are joined by Julia and Kate. So thank you so much so much both of you for joining us. Um, so Julia works with Anna Chaplaincy, um, which looks to empower the spiritual lives of the elderly. And Kate is one of our networkers who has also got lots of experience with children's work. Um, and today we're going to be discussing how families can encourage and invite older people into their spiritual lives and what the benefit of that might be. Um, so Kate and Julia, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and we'll probably just get straight in with the first question. 
Um, Kate, how important is the older generation to a child or teenager's spiritual development, do you think? Well, I think it's absolutely vital. Uh, having a family of three myself and having moved around the country quite a bit, uh, I think having uh, anybody involved in your children's lives, uh, particularly the older generation, is absolutely vitally important. I think we're missing out kids' spiritual development if we don't um, in some way um, have involvement of the older generation. And uh, yeah, that can be done so many different ways with, within church. And, and uh, I do think that it's a church's responsibility to empower and equip grandparents and uh, allow opportunities um, for them to impact and to get to know our lovely kids and children. That's great. Thank you. Um, and Julia, how, how do you think the older generation can benefit from families inviting them into their spiritual lives? I think it's very enriching. I think um, you have a lot to um, offer older people, have a lot to offer younger people and children and their, their parents. And at the same time, it's also something which can be enriching for the older person because they have so much wisdom to share and it's part of being an older person that your your outlook your goals in life and your purpose include wanting to benefit and encourage younger generations it becomes part of your focus so um, for for the opportunities that are provided to be alongside children and young people and their parents uh, there's so much for older people to to glean from that and to feel that they're they're still contributing um, to the spiritual lives of the people. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and I don't know if you agree, agree, but I think it's quite rare at the moment for the generations to interact like they used to, um, with you know some families living in different locations and churches having sort of specific age group programmes. Um, and Kate, how do we even go about inviting older people into our family spiritual lives? Do you have any examples of how it's been done before and what you think might work well? Brilliant. Yeah, well, very often these things happen naturally over coffee at the end of church or um, just inviting people into your homes for meals. That's some just a really simple and easy way for um, families to actually interact with the old generation in their church or even in their communities. Um, but also there are ways in which church can facilitate these things. I know I was a children's worker. Um, in our local Baptist church and I could see a lot of retired teachers in my congregation mm. they weren't overly keen to get involved on a Sunday morning but uh, I could see that their um, interest and all the skills they had with young people and children so uh, we decided to start a mentoring scheme in our local primary schools and uh, high school and I, I, you know unreservedly I targeted those uh, <laughs> retired teachers to come and get trained up and involved in um, children's lives from the community and uh, that was one of the moments that I just could see God at work through um, just empowering and training up and encouraging and equipping these retired teachers to go back into school without all the uh, paperwork that's involved in being a school teacher but actually spending an hour a week with a child for, for a year and uh, yeah, that was that was a great uh, moment when I could see. But also on a Sunday morning, just have a look at your team of your children's and, and youth and teens and actually um, 
actively pray and seek God for who who's missing on your team on Sunday morning. And um, many a time uh, I could see the storyteller coming out. I know I've prayed for years for somebody to come alongside me with a bit of time, and a bit of energy. And uh, in my head, I had a 26 year old um, that could do all the action songs. And God sent me along a 70 year old retired canon who was an amazing aid uh, to me for many, many, many years using flanographs to tell stories, which, you know, I thought that wasn't particularly relevant for today, but oh my goodness, the kids absolutely loved it. And um, yeah, classic example of empowering somebody that had, um, yeah, just preaching the gospel through flanographs and storytelling and memory verses and yeah, just fantastic moment of uh, seeing somebody being empowered and coming along. And he was really good at tidying up my office as well. So there you go. Amazing. Oh, that's so good, Kate. Thank you so much. That's that's great to hear. Um, and Julia, why do you think that older people maybe aren't more proactive with young people? And how can we as parents and carers maybe help to break that barrier? I think it partly goes back to what you mentioned earlier, Iona, that there is a lot of age segregation going on, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. Um, so... Part of it is encouraging our churches not to always separate people out according to their ages, but to allow the church to be its wonderful intergenerational self. Um, I think uh, it's interesting, Kate, talking about retired teachers. My mum's um, helping in a school as a, as a governor. She's, she's nearly 80 now, but also has done a lot of work in schools, mentoring children, reading to them. I think a lot of what people encounter as they get older is uh, a lot of confidence, lots of belief in what they've got to offer. And we can't ignore that we actually live in a fairly ageist society, which does devalue uh, yeah. what, what they can contribute once they've um, left the labour market. And so a lot of older people take that on board themselves and there's how much they have to offer. Um, and don't don't put themselves forward. And that's partly what Anna Chapman's is about. It's about facilitating those intergener- intergenerational contacts, sort of bringing um, older people into contact with younger folk. Um, some wonderful projects, bringing school children or even toddler groups into care homes, uh, spring to mind um, uh, parents taking in their little ones into care homes um, on behalf of the church. It's such a... a, a, a enriching and rewarding experience for everyone, for the residents of the care homes, for the families, but also for the staff. And those magical moments where someone with dementia perhaps hasn't spoken, hasn't been, um, nobody's heard their voice for a long time until um, they get the chance to meet a, a young child and suddenly they're, they find their voice again. There's something about that connection, a fluency that, that we didn't see before. And even people with dementia um, in the later stages still have so much to offer in terms of love and kindness and warmth and humour. It's difficult for them to initiate that. They rely on us to initiate those contacts. But once we've done so, we see the fruits, we see the relationships and the bonds grow in a way that we would never have imagined. Yeah. It's spotting them, though, isn't it, Julia? Spotting these people and allowing and, and a little bit of hand holding and confidence building needs to go on 
um, messy, uh, vintage messy church as well. Another really good way of getting people involved in the local care home. And then, you know, they actually get the confidence in that setting. And then they might want to help in the messy church in their own church setting. Um, and when there's far more intergenerational going on there. and the same um, with all sorts of different uh, activities that you can actually get them involved in. But it is just that first step. I know when we ran our first Parenting for Faith course in the church, rather than just inviting the parents, we invited the whole church, you know, grandparents, foster parents, everybody, because it does take a whole church to raise a parent. So oh, let's just um, be much bigger in our thinking and throwing a much wider net when we are setting out organising activities in the church, but also in the community as well. And certainly grandparents have a really formative role in children's faith, don't they? I mean, Absolutely. Um, my, my kids benefited greatly and still do um, from my from my mum's prayerful input. Sometimes, especially in those more tumultuous teenage years, uh, it's easier to talk to a grandparent and uh, yes. to have your questions explored with someone with that degree of wisdom and experience of life so I think we we, we see the bond don't we between grandchildren, yeah. grandchildren and, and young children and that's equally uh, important for faith development as it is for emotional social and other forms of development um, looking up to your grandparent as a as a spiritual parent is something that a lot of people would identify with. Yeah. I think prayers are really good. I wouldn't say simple, but prayers are a really good way of opening up um, that relationship between the families and the older generation. I know yeah. um, I had a open event where I had just did a very simple flower shape with petals with the names of all the families um, and then and actually encouraged everyone to take a petal of a family to go and pray for them. And I know my mum had this petal on her notice board for years and years and years of a family in our church. And, you know, she was praying for that family. And she'd always you know, ask me, and how are they doing, even though she didn't live in, in the same place? You know, prayer is an amazing opportunity for that first inroad into families and children's lives and you know it's just encouraging that conversation to go on maybe you know how can we pray for your family how can we support you and who knows where that might lead but yeah prayer is a great opportunity to open up doors into people's lives yeah oh well thank you so much both of you it's been so good to chat to you both and some really good things to think through there um and what we'll do is if you want to find out more about Anna Chaplaincy we'll pop a link to their website in the description um so be sure to go and check that out um but yeah thank you so much Kate and Julie so this is Rachel Turner the founder of Parenting for Faith answering a question on a Facebook live about friendships um and how to manage that when your child chooses friends that you think maybe aren't that kind aren't that great for them over to rachel we moved house to a new area about 12 months ago my 11 year old son has made new friends at school but i don't think they're very kind to him they don't turn up when there's a plan to meet up they say unkind words on chat etc but he likes this friends maybe because they're his only friends he hasn't made any friends at church yet we talked to him about healthy friendships and i don't want him to get in with the wrong crowd i guess it will take time for him to make friends just like all of us I'd like to get alongside these families, get to know these friends. So I've said to my son that he can invite them over any time. But play dates aren't really a thing now. He started secondary school. Any thoughts? Welcome. 
Um, one thing I found particularly with this is to um, talk about the transientness of friendships. And so sometimes our kids need permission to move on from the friends that they started with. And so um, sometimes it's really helpful to say that when you join a, a, a place, often you just gravitate towards the people who are easiest to be around. And sometimes those are the people who don't really care about you um, or who have different patterns of behavior that you can sort of be quiet in and sort of who suck you up. <laughs> you sort of come in and you sort of get welcomed into a group of something and you're like, hey, this is, you know, I'm glad I don't have to do the, the work to do that. And after a while, you get to watch them. And real friendships are when you get to know someone more and more and more and more, and you choose to let them into your heart more and more and more. You can say, I trust you with this much, and you've proven to me that you're good, and so I'm going to give you a bit more information about my heart and a bit more information about heart, and I'm going to talk about what makes me sad and cry and makes me feel insecure. And everybody sort of proves themselves to you. But when you join a new place, you don't know if anybody can be trusted with that. So you just sort of go for the most comfortable bit. And then after a while, you get to watch them, and go, oh, I think that's about as much as I can trust you with my heart. And and then it's time to go choose the friends you actually want to be with, not just the friends that you were most comfortable with at the beginning. And often those are two different groups. It doesn't mean you have to walk away and break up with them and say, I hate you. But um, I'd suggest you start looking around at school and saying, who do, who do I think is the kind of friend I would want to have in the closer part of my life? Um, and sometimes you can go... And sit down, you have to be brave and start conversations with those people who are kind and who are take care of you and who are faithful. And sometimes what you need to do is be the person who sucks up others uh, who need someone. There will be lonely people who don't have many friends. There will be people who maybe are in a similar situation to you. And so now is the time that you have this transition period where you can say, if I knew what I know now, would I still choose these people? And you can have those conversations about your experiences with them. And those and so sometimes when we suggest play dates to for the friends to come round, if they're still unsure about those children like are they my really like I love them so much with my whole heart friends then they'll want them to come around if they're like eh, I don't know if I want them in my space in my home that can be a different thing and so it, it really becomes about when you find someone that you want to invite into that next level of, of friendship where you want them in your house I would love to make space for you to hang out here with them um, and and I think sometimes talking about the wrong crowd can be unhelpful. More it's about using your wisdom and your heart to decide who you trust with that and who brings you joy and, and who would produce the fruit in your heart that you want from friends. Um, and often when you're just joining a new place, you just want people to hang out with. And that's different from the people that you want now. And so to talk about the um, the differences. Um, Playdates are not really a thing unless you provide like movies and food. Um, I find secondary school is sort of that, but it's like parent-less. So feel free to invite your friends over. I'll be in a different room working. So feel free to, I'll provide food and a space for you to hang out with. It's technically a play date by a different name. Um, but uh, I, would, I would suggest you do that. So it's more about talking about the impact that they have in that space. And as usual, we have a question to ask your child or teenager to spark an interesting conversation. Your question this week is this. Which older person would you most like to be like and why? Uh, they may interpret older person as teenager or someone in their 30s. Uh, I was thinking more kind of grandparent age, but see where the conversation takes you. So which older person would you most like to be like and why? 
Have a great conversation. Have a great week. We will be back with episode seven next week. Bye. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight session course to get in touch or to find out about training and events near you.